You are now listening to Creative Masters. This is the podcast where we interview musicians, photographers, directors, comedians, designers, and other creatives to discuss how they got started, how they got past those bumps in the road, and how they built a career off their creativity. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, and I'm Team Double Machine Masters to bring you Creative Masters. Now let's start the show. What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, a.k.a. Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters Podcast, back with another episode. You guys, thank you so much for your support, for listening, sharing, commenting, rating us on iTunes and SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, all the different platforms. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. Just a quick reminder about the Tracking Identity documentary. You guys can head to patreon.com slash tracking identity to check out the trailers. We're looking forward to the summer release of the documentary on Simon Illa. It's my very first documentary project that I'm working on as well. So it's really cool and I'm really excited about that. So you guys, please support and go check that out at patreon.com slash tracking identity for this episode episode 30 we have an entertainment and intellectual property attorney Shade Dixon so we have a really dope conversation about building your team obviously music always comes first but it's really important to learn the business learn you know um, what the different members of your team do learn about copyright laws learn about what's going on with streaming then of course we talk about success and what it means to her and honestly like I define success um, by am I able to do what I love to do what I'm passionate about am I able to to walk in my purpose we talk about these things and so much more about the entertainment business and building your team and the importance of having a lawyer on that team so sit back relax and enjoy episode 30 of the Creative Masters podcast featuring Sade Dixon. What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, aka Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters podcast. This week, we got a very dope guest. She is actually an entertainment and intellectual property lawyer, and she's also creative as well. Um, we connected via Instagram, and now I have her on the podcast. Shade Dixon, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for coming on. Um, so let's just start at the, you know, with like a 60-second elevator speech of who you are, what you do, where you're from, and then we'll dig into it from there. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, I'm Shade Dixon. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I came here because I attended school at Spelman College. Mm -hmm. um, I am an attorney to the creatives. Uh, I, my practice mainly focuses on entertainment, intellectual property, and business entrepreneur law. Mm -hmm. Along with that, I'm a creative myself. Like you said, I'm a photographer. I'm a drummer. been actually playing the drum since I was three. Nice, nice. <laughs> and um, I own a entertainment like an independent entertainment company as well as a creative consulting company with my husband so i kind of dibble and dabble in a little bit of uh both worlds in terms of like the business and mm -hmm. the creative side awesome awesome all right so yeah let's start the beginning you said you started playing um drums at, when you were three how did that come about you know, I really don't know. Um, my uh, my parents always just used to say, I guess I, I beat on pots and pans, mm -hmm. which is what you typically hear about drummers when they start. Mm -hmm. And so I would just beat on pots and pans. And then my dad was a minister. 
and a pastor. Mm -hmm. So I would just, you know, I would be at church all of the time every Sunday and I would just watch the drummer and just, you know, just study the drummer. And then Mm -hmm. I would go and sit by him and just, you know, I would spend all of the entire time of church there, up there with the drummer and uh, just fell in love with it, fell in love with music, um, fell in love with playing the drums. And like I said, I've been playing since I was three, so I don't know when kids learn how to write, Mm -hmm. but I learned how to play the drums prior to learning to, to write. All right, so yeah, after after drumming and um, you know learning when you're so young and everything like that, like what did you kind of do through school? Did you continue drumming, or did you get into other creative spaces, or was it just all drums like throughout your childhood? Mainly, mainly drums. Um, I played the I played the piano a little bit. I took piano lessons, and I kept quitting because it didn't come as easy for me as playing the drums. Mm-hmm. Playing the drums just came really natural. So primarily just playing the drums i was in the marching band i played um for churches Mm -hmm. uh you know all of that and then i kind of got into like a phase where i was playing basketball and kind of you know um didn't play drums as much Mm -hmm. but because music is my first love it kind of you know came circled back around to that and so i played drums like i said um the into my entire childhood and then when i came to college I came to Spelman, but when I was getting um, taking a tour of Spelman, I had a couple of high school friends, mm-hmm. and they marched for Clark Atlanta, and so they wanted me to come over and you know see meet the band director and see the see the um you know the band room, mm-hmm. and so I was a huge fan of Drumline, like love Drumline for obvious reasons. Yep, yep. And the, the Clark Atlanta band room is the exact same band room from the Drumline. So I just fell in love <laughs> and was just like at all and all. And so I, I went to Spelman, but I actually marched for Clark Atlanta, which was different because typically if you played in the band and you went to Spelman, then you marched at Morehouse, you know. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, but I marched at Clark Atlanta. And so I can, you know, kind of continue that through three years at college and in college and really enjoyed it. I actually ended up becoming the first um, drum, the first section leader of the percussion section you know, that wasn't a Clark Atlanta student, you know, that was a Spelman mm-hmm. student. So that was really exciting. Awesome. Awesome. And you said you also um, are into photography. At what point in your life did you get into photography? I actually just started that probably about two to three years ago. Mm-hmm. And pretty much what happened was I don't get the chance to play drums much anymore because, you know, just being busy and mm-hmm. life, you know, growing up responsibilities. And I'm not playing at a church or anything. So I just wanted another creative outlet. Mm-hmm. And I kept trying to figure out, okay, what could I do? Um, could I get into mixing? My husband is a producer. Could I mm-hmm. Could I get into mixing, engineering and everything? And it just wasn't for me. And so obviously I, I love art, you know, um, and I, I, I was just looking at pictures, probably scrolling on Instagram. I can't exactly remember. Mm-hmm. And I said, hmm, what about photography? So we bought a camera and it's pretty much, you know, all she wrote after that, it was, it was tough, but now I took a class and, you know, just fell in love with it. So Mm -hmm. I I definitely love it now. It wasn't an easy road because of 
you know, it, the technical barrier. Mm-hmm. Like, learn. You think you assume that you buy a camera, you're gonna pick it up, and you're just gonna be know how to operate it. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna be kind of like you point it, you shoot it, and that's it. Yep, yep. <laughs> and and it definitely isn't like that, or at least it wasn't like that for me. So actually, kind of trying to learn the camera was kind of tough initially. But like I said, I took a class, and once I took that class, it kind of opened my eyes to it. It helped me to see a different way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably already saw that way, but it really helped me with just the technical aspects of maneuvering the camera. And, being able to shoot a manual and everything Mm -hmm. and like i said i just fell in love with it after that and so it really has become that creative outlet that you know that i really wanted since i don't get the chance to kind of play play the drums much anymore yeah for sure excuse me and i have a lot of um i've actually spoken with a lot of photographers on here and it's always interesting to hear how they kind of got started and the route they took so what kind of made you decide to go and take a class instead of just you know maybe youtube videos or just you know figuring it out as you went along well i was struggling with the youtube videos and i'm the type of person that i kind of need structure Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i wanted to be in a class and and have to be accountable to doing like kind of like homework Mm -hmm. and um being able to ask a ask a teacher or an instructor certain questions and there's certain things that when you're you're in person um, they can kind of give you like little cheat code type mm-hmm. of knowledge that is hard to get sometimes from like a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes makes. So sense. that's why I took the class, and and really it was the best decision I made because I feel like I, yeah, yeah I feel like I had the camera for a year. Mm-hmm. I believe it was about a year prior to taking the class, and I really didn't do much with it. And then once I took the class, like I said, it just opened it up for me. And it made more sense. And then when I started to, you know, look at YouTube videos or read articles, it just it just made more. They made more sense to me. Yeah, for sure. Because you got the, you got yeah. the vocabulary down and you knew what they were talking right. about type thing. Yep. Right. It was really the basics. You know, the the catching on to the basics were kind of hard to do for me mm-hmm. through YouTube and everything. For sure. And how do you find that, you know, getting into photography and, and looking at creativity in a different way has helped you just in your overall life as far as how you look at things and how you approach problems and, and things like that? Hmm, that's a great question. Well, in terms of, honestly, in my overall life, just personally, it's just helped just to, to be able to tap into that creative side, especially when... You know, um, business is, is all business, business, business. When mm-hmm. you're, you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're building your business, it can be stressful. And so to be able to have that different type of release, that's just been that's just been wonderful. In terms of from a business aspect, it's helped because even though I was always a creative to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, it allows me to continue to, to speak a similar language with a lot of the people I'm around, a lot of my clients, you know, it allows me to speak that language. And mm-hmm. so it's been pretty cool. I, I, like I said, I've definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I found it just helps me to just kind of slow down and just take in my surroundings and be a little bit more present. Even if I don't have my camera, I'm looking around, like, right. oh, I could be taking a picture of that or like, I never noticed this before. And Right. So it does, you know, kind of does like open up your eyes in a different in a different way from a different perspective. So it's cool. Um, and I like how it um I like how it opens up my eyes to when I digest art as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So I'm a big I'm a big just art and entertainment consumer. So I love film. Mm-hmm. I love 
um, I love TV, you know, all of that. And so I find myself when I'm watching movies now, or even when I'm watching certain TV shows, I see it differently. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool. Like, you know, I see, I see, I notice like how they frame a certain shot or, yep. this, you know, I just notice all of that. And that's really cool. So that's changed dramatically since I've picked up the camera. Yeah. Cause it kind of shows you, you know, when you do it yourself or what goes into that and, you know, when you first right. pick up a camera, you take your pictures. Like, oh, my stuff looks nothing like that. You know, so I just right. you figure it out and get a little bit deeper into it. You kind of appreciate the work and the and thoughtfulness that went into whatever you're watching. So, um, most definitely. So let's talk about your um, your schooling. Like, what made you pursue um, you know a law degree, and why did you choose you know entertainment and intellectual property law? Well, I always wanted to be an attorney. And my mom is an attorney. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, typically, you know, sometimes sons want to father, they follow their father, moms want to kind of follow their, uh, or daughters want to follow their moms and everything. Mm -hmm. And so I always was interested in being an attorney. um, But I knew that in whatever I did, I wanted to operate in the things that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. And there's only a handful of things that I'm passionate about. And that's pretty much music and just entertainment the arts you know in sports you Mm -hmm. know and those are the things that i'm passionate about and so i knew i wanted to operate in that space and so being an attorney allowed me to have the best of both worlds you know Mm -hmm. i've always been good in terms of um on the business side of things and and been interested in the law but then i can also still operate in my passion Mm -hmm. um by helping creatives and and just being in that atmosphere so that's why you know it was a no-brainer for me in terms of entertainment law and intellectual property to me honestly it's just it was no other way it was no other route to take Mm -hmm. it was nothing else to do (laughs) you know for me outside of doing being a creative full-time or in you know being a creative in another capacity yeah for sure i totally get it i totally get it um so yeah there's a lot of creatives who listen to this podcast you know it's music producers songwriters and photographers and all different kinds and at least for me like i was lucky enough to have kind of like business instilled in, in me so through my creative journey i've always like paid attention to that side of things but for people out there that are listening especially like the younger crowd like from your perspective and your experience how important is it for them to at least understand the basics of like the entertainment business or the music business or whatever they're in and also for certain situations to you know seek legal counsel so they don't you know get screwed over and everything uh it's extremely important um like most people like you hear it often it's the music business it's not just about music Mm -hmm. but it's the music business and so especially in these times like it's it's so important to to really make sure that you're learning the business Mm -hmm. um along with perfecting your craft obviously music always comes first but it's really important to learn the business learn you know um what the different members of your team do learn Mm -hmm. about copyright laws learn about what's going on with streaming Mm -hmm. um learn about the history you know um learn about uh, publishing and all that is really is really important and unfortunately a lot of times it's been you know dealing with creatives and i understand but a lot of times you you're so caught up or that you know people they're so caught up in creating Mm -hmm. And they don't want to take the time to learn these things. And yes, you can hire someone to do it, and, and you should. Um, but at the same time, I always it 
try to educate my clients and let them know it's important for you to educate yourself as well, to be mm-hmm. educated, be knowledgeable about those things. Um, so it's definitely extremely important. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times, uh, like I said, people aren't educated or they don't seek they don't seek out certain people and certain people on their team, especially attorneys, mm-hmm. um, soon enough. And by the time they're seeking one out, then it's kind of, I, w- I won't say too late, but it's at the point where um, it's, it's always kind of trying to clean up something as yeah. opposed to moving forward in the right way and getting things straight, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely important for all of the creators out there to, to learn the law in your field. It might be a photographer mm-hmm. um, to, you know, not just be out there uh, doing photo shoots, but also know that you, you need contracts. Yep. Contracts you know, and releases. Um, and if you have a right. set, you might need like liability insurance, like all different kinds of stuff. You got to exactly. think, think about, you know, Right. It's, it's plenty of things. Uh, film producers, obviously, it's, it's a lot that comes with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're out shooting films, you need plenty of plenty of uh, you need to protect yourself in many of ways with mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, for sure. Yep. And also on the business side, say let's just use an example of an artist or like a music producer. Like what advice would you give to them for setting up like their business structure? Like what would you advise? Um, in what way exactly? Like if they were, if they wanted to say like, okay, I'm gonna start a production company or I'm gonna start my own label. Like, what kind of, what direction would you point them in? Uh, well, obviously, uh, typically in a situation like that, I would definitely, I would definitely say to to speak with a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, I see, it, and it's a lot of people know it's it's fairly easy to create your own company, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of other things that need to be considered when you're creating your own company as well. Certain tax implications. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you creating this company with others? Um, I see often where people have partners, but they have no partnership agreements. Mm-hmm. You know, no no operating agreements, no bylaws to the company. Um, so it it makes for a very sticky situation if something happens, yep. you know, if something happens with that relationship. So definitely seek out, uh, seek, seek out professional, you know, pro- professional counsel um, with that. And honestly, um, when you're starting out, obviously I know with working with a lot of indie producers and, and startups and everything, I know that your budget is limited, um, but make it a priority, mm-hmm. you know, make it a priority to, to get legal counsel and, and to seek out, you know, people that know that are familiar with what you need to do from a business aspect, mm-hmm. just so that you make sure that you're kind of dotting all your eyes, crossing all the T's, that you're doing everything correct. Um, you know, you make, you make, but they make budgets for mixing, mastering, mm-hmm. you know, um, paying an editor you know to edit a film or something like that but far too often you're not budgeting um either whether it be attorneys or whether it be a, an accountant to help you manage certain funds maybe if you're you know you have a budget for a film an accountant to help you manage those funds or what whatnot mm-hmm. but so uh, far too often they aren't making that a priority yeah. so i would say for sure when you're if you're in those beginning stages of setting out setting up a company don't just take you know the the cheap way out but make sure that you're doing everything 
the correct way, mm-hmm. you know, as far as taxes, as everything. Yeah, and stuff like those bylaws and operating agreements and stuff is so important because especially if it's like two people or four people and you right. know, there's, there's a tie in voting, like how do you decide on what to do? You know, do you go to mediation right. or is there just a process for it? So there's so many things that people don't think about. And then if it does, the business does fall apart, which many businesses do, like mm-hmm. how are the assets divided? Like how is the debt divided? And all right. of these different things. So it's very important to um, to keep those things in mind and have them taken care of on the front end when everything's good. Because you know everybody thinks it's going to be perfect the whole time, but you know sometimes it's not the case. So right, or even like with intellectual property, a lot of times um, you know you have people that they'll get trademarks and they'll put it in one person's name, mm-hmm. or maybe in both you know names. They'll put it in one person's name and then that person ends up leaving. Mm-hmm. Well, they own your intellectual property, <laughs> you know, as opposed to getting counsel and putting it in the company's name or. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah for sure. Um, and is it, has there anything cause I know you mentioned um, earlier about like cleaning up messes when some people come to a lawyer or an attorney and it's too late. So has there any been anything that you've come across um, in situations like that that you can share? Most of the things I've come across haven't been bad, and that's why I say um, it's not that they come when it's too late, mm-hmm. but they just come when a mess needs to be fixed, you mm-hmm. know, um, situations like that. Probably the the worst situations that I've come across are people that sign, signed, uh, record, you know, signed record contracts with independent record labels mm-hmm. that couldn't do anything for them. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the worst situations I've come across. And so they're in a situation where they're somewhat stuck in this contract and, the, you know, they're not they're not doing anything for them. But then yet they can't release music mm-hmm. because they're, they're supposed to release it under this independent record label. Mm-hmm. And so obviously in a situation like that, it's more affordable for you to go to an attorney from the beginning mm-hmm. when you're negotiating this contract um, as opposed to going to the attorney after you're already stuck in it and then you're trying to get out of it because that's more you know time consuming um, but that's you know that's probably the worst situation that I've had to handle mm-hmm. um, most of the other ones you know it's kind of minor gotcha they haven't you know been too big of miss ups <laughs> yeah and where where do you think that the future of record labels, both indie and you know major, is headed? That's a great question. I'm not exactly sure in terms of major labels. Mm-hmm. Um, I truly feel that this is a wonderful time for indie labels. It's a wonderful time to be to be a creative, to be a musician. Um, to be an artist simply because the barrier to entry um, isn't at what it used to be, mm-hmm. you know. And so you can you can record, you can create, you can record, you can get your your record mixed and mastered. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put it out there, and without having to spend you know thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, in a situation like that, that gives. Uh, independence, whether that's just you know one artist or or uh, indie label as a whole, that gives them um, a different type of uh, access to the marketplace that they wouldn't have in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely see that continuing, especially 
um, where we are with streaming and everything. And so that's that's a whole nother conversation yeah, in terms yeah. of what's going to happen. Because um, I definitely believe that eventually in the very near future, we probably won't even have physical physical copies. You still oh, have yeah, people that sure. buy some things, but that's going to be very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in terms of what that's going to mean for record labels, I, I don't think, you know, you have someone, you have some people that think that the major labels are going to die. I don't think that simply because they they have so much money and there's so much back and I don't think they'll ever die. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see kind of how they shift uh, what they do, especially uh, with so many people um, that are able to still be very successful without necessarily having that backing. Mm-hmm. And now when you when you enter, like, you know, you have a streaming company, so you have the, the Apple Music, you have the Spotify's that are able to do deals with these artists. Mm-hmm. And um, they aren't as uh, confined to, you know, a record label. That really, that really does um, it kind of add a different element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. And that's interesting that you said that because um, a, a friend of mine had just sent me a message probably about two hours ago, and he asked me. He said, "Do I think?" He said, "Do I think Chance the Rapper and Apple Music are trying to like destroy record labels? Basically, like not necessarily destroy record labels, but just turn the industry upside down." And you know, even Steve Jobs, you know. 15 years ago with the iPod, that was his mission was just to totally change the music industry. So when you say like, you know, these artists are doing these exclusive deals with mm-hmm. with the um, with these streaming companies and stuff like that, I think it's like along those same lines, because a lot of times now it's just like I'll release this for free on Apple Music and, you know, Apple would get the cut or, you know, for the streaming or whatever. And and then they kind of do it that instead of going through the major. So it's interesting that you say that because we we're just actually having that conversation um, probably like an hour yeah. or so. And I honestly think that's probably the biggest, um, I, if I were, you know, working for a record label, I were, you know, in that, in that situation, I, that would fear me, pro- that would scare me probably the most, mm-hmm. um, is that situation. Because you look at, I believe Chance said that he, Apple gave him $500,000 to release his project and for it to be exclusive for only two weeks. Yep. You know, so that's almost a no brainer for mm-hmm. most people. I can get five hundred thousand dollars. I can really yep. <laughs> it I can let them stream it on their platform for two weeks or however long. And once I'm done with this deal, I, I walk away free and clear and I have my freedom. I have yep. that freedom that you don't have when you sign with the record label, a major label. So that's definitely going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um And and they also know that like the true fans, especially like someone like Chance has so many true fans. If they release a new project, all these people might not have Apple Music, but they'll sign up for that free trial, and they might forget to right. cancel, and they start getting charged. So they're going to get that right. money back. So, you know, that, that is interesting. Um, so yeah, let me ask some questions. I ask these in, in every interview, but I always am curious to see what people have to say. So, for me myself, I'm like really big on a growth mindset. So just reading and podcasts and audio books and all that kind of stuff. So. What are some mm-hmm. of the things that you do to progress, you know, professionally and in your personal life? Like, is it reading? Is it journaling, meditation? Like, what are some of the some of the things that you do? Well, I'm really big on the fact that you. I really feel like people, you're, you, you should always be inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the importance of staying inspired, especially. 
um, when you're an entrepreneur and you're kind of in this this day to day grind of um, building your business, building your brand, like it's it, you have you have some <laughs> you have great days and then you know you have some down days, and so it's important to stay inspired and to remember um, why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you're doing something that's uh, benefiting others as well. You know, and so for that reason, I I, I watch I read a lot of articles, mm-hmm. a lot of articles. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, like inspirational videos. Mm-hmm. I love Gary V. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I love her. I'm sure probably everybody says that, but I I, I love Gary V. Um, I just take in certain art that inspires me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to read. I I don't get to read as much as I like to anymore. I'm trying to kind of make it more of a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I love to read in terms of just reading books and um, like I said, reading articles. Um, like just taking in art, you mm-hmm. know, taking in art inspire inspires me. Um, listening to podcasts, it, everything to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm I'm really big on just making sure that you continue to stay inspired, make it a priority to stay motivated. Yeah, and remember why you're doing it. You know. Yeah, for sure. I think it's always important to remember that why. Then just take, like you said, taking in that art, reading them articles, reading books. I think it. Every time you take in a new piece of information and a different perspective from somebody, it kind of opens your world up just a little bit. And, you know, you can kind of connect dots a little better and, and get a little bit more creative and, and come up with better ideas. So I think all that stuff is very important to do for sure. Um, definitely, definitely. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let's talk about success for a moment. So in the, in the past, it seems like, at least growing up, it seemed like it was always like, you know, when you grow up, you want to have a big house, a lot of cars and a lot of money, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it seems like in recent times, people have kind of been redefining success for themselves. So mm-hmm. how how have you redefined success for yourself and, and what is success for you? Um, it's great that you asked that. That's de- <laughs> uh, we talk about that often just in terms of how our parents' idea of success isn't exactly what our our idea of success is mm-hmm. um, or how we really feel like that there's a shift in terms of, I'm still, I'm a millennial, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, probably barely now, but... <laughs> yeah, same here, like um, the first ter- year or something. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, um, you know, how millennials think versus, like I said, our parents. And honestly, like, I define success um, by... Am I able to do what I love to do, what I'm passionate about? Am I able to to walk in my purpose, mm-hmm. um, impact the world, um, and and make a living doing so? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's success to me. You know, so I could be, you know, I could be at a big major law firm. I could be making, you know, hundreds, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year mm-hmm. working just crazy hours a week yeah, have no time I'm to doing, yourself and everything right have no time to myself um doing something that i hate or doing a you know some kind of law that i hate mm-hmm. and yeah i might have the bet the biggest house i might have the, the car my dream car but to me that that's not success you know mm-hmm. um success is being able to do what i love to do you know, being able to have that freedom, um, being able to say that I'm inspiring someone else, um, being able to make a difference, um, that's success to me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I talk about it all the time. I say, um, you know, th- 
for for a producer, you know, or for a rapper, you know, uh, your goal might be to be Jay Z. You know, mm-hmm. your goal might be to be Mike Will, to be Metro Boomin, to be the biggest rapper, to be the biggest producer. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if you think about it, um, if you can even just make a living. Mm-hmm. you know making music you know or or being a photographer or making films like you might not be a breakout star like a Issa Rae mm-hmm. but if you can if you can make a living like with your following like it, it doesn't get any better than that yeah you know it, it really doesn't and I'm sure you probably might have heard on Gary Beer through some other podcasts um how a lot of people talk about just like building tribes like Seth Godin and people like that talk about like building a tribe. And it's like, if you want to make art, if you want to create art and you have, you know, 500 people who support you and, you know, pay for your art, 25, 30 bucks a year, like you can live off of that. Like, and you can do what you want to do. So I think it is very important to, um, to just look at it from that perspective. Cause like, when you look at everybody who's making music, everybody who's rapping, everybody who's singing, producing, every photographer, like there's only a handful of people who are actually on that top, top level. Right. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making a living and, and doing what you love and nobody knows you. And I think, I mean, I think that's right. actually kind of cool. You know, you don't have the extra added stress that, that comes along with that. So um, I love what you said, because it seems like this has been like the consistent answer of everybody who is doing what they love to do that I had on the podcast. So just like, I'm doing what I love to do. I'm making a living. I have freedom. Like I'm successful. And I think that is like amazing. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, I really appreciate you coming to the podcast and, and sharing your story and sharing your background with us. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you at on uh, social media and the internet and everything. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, I am at Shade Esq, and Shade is S H A D E E S Q. I'm pretty heavy on Instagram. I'm not as heavy on Twitter, and I'm trying to do better on Facebook. But I'm at Shade Esq <laughs> on all of those. So, um, definitely, you know, follow me. Come talk to me. All of it. How are you too? So. Yeah, yeah, I agree, for sure. Certainly. For sure. All right, well, well, thank you. And everybody listening, this is the Creative Masters Podcast. Until next week, peace. So there you have it. That was episode 30 of the Creative Masters Podcast featuring Sade Dixon. I hope you guys got a lot out of this episode. I'm Nobody Famous. As usual, I can be found at Nobody Famous on Instagram and Twitter. And be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Creative Masters Podcast rate, subscribe, like, share. We greatly appreciate it. Until next week, peace.